This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. By out. You see that Yaakov Avinu was not punished for the 14 years extra, the diversion that he took into going to Yeshiva's Shame Be'ever. It's mentioned toward the end of last week's Tarsha, where it goes to the 14 years from Ladas, Yosef, etc. It goes into the idea of what it was that Yosef Atzadik was gone for 22 years, Yaakov Avinu was gone for 22 years, there were 14 years extra, he left at the age of 63, he got to Haran at the age of 77, where did he go? He went to Yeshiva's Shame Be'ever. So he wasn't punished for going there, and that means that it must have been extremely important for him to have gone there, to go to that yeshiva, even though his father told him, I want you to go get married. Meaning, you have the mitzvah assay of Kibbutz of the aim to listen to your father who told you to get married at the age of 63. You'd assume that that would trump any other, uh, any other aspect of going anywhere else. Why in the world would this be so important that you have to take such a diversion? That's number one. Number two, what does it mean he wasn't punished for it? He still wasn't mechabed of the aim. And I would say even the opposite. For 14 years, he wasn't commanded to do what his parents said. They never told him to go to Yeshiva Shem Be'ever, but they did tell him to go to Lavan. So the fact that he stayed by Lavan for 22 years, he shouldn't be punished for keeping up the aim. He should only be punished for the 14 years. That's what he should be punished for, because those are the years that he didn't do what his parents told him to do. Right? I, it, that's the idea. It's really a question, though, of what this Yeshiva was. So his father told him, Yami Mahadi. Go for a few days. Go for a year. Well, Yamim could also be years, a few years. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's say, Ahadim years. You want to yeah. There's a whole cash on what the means, but it's a solid question. It's a solid question, and there's no, there's no great answer for it, but Yamim Ahadim still can be answered. It's still, it's weird. It's like a father going to ask his son to go buy him something on the way, go buy him something. Since you're going to the store anyway, could you go buy me a fruit? Could you go buy me an apple and go bring it back to me? And the son goes to the store, and on the way to the store, he stops off and he shoots and he goes learns for a couple of years and then comes back 10 years later and he goes and he gives his father the fruit. I mean, the, the, what were you doing? Why wouldn't you have listened to what your father said? If you have a chiv of keep it out the aim, how could you have pastured that? That's really the question. The Yeshiva Shem Be'ever, what is Yeshiva Shem Be'ever? Yeah, I haven't said anything yet. I mean, you have brought down a lot of that, that you're, if you want to learn it depends on what you're doing and it depends also if you've been learning for 63 years that, that, that will make a major difference being 63 will change many of these things that, that will definitely change and Puravu should have been an extremely big here as well what was he doing? what was he going there for? so there is a difference in the styles of learning in the past in, in these two different yeshivas the Avos what did the Avos teach? obviously they didn't have the Torah that we are given they didn't have anything like that but they, they were able to figure out the mitzvahs from the world itself somehow they were able to figure out through their great chokmah the concepts of Shabbos and Sitzvahs and Tzvillin or, or whatever it was that they were able to figure out they had those types of concepts but what did they teach in their yeshivas they obviously weren't telling everybody to put on Tzvillin or wear Tzvillin or you'd have a that wasn't what the Talmudim were getting so what was it they were saying they concentrated all of their learning upon Amuna and Avodah Hashem their belief in what God was, their monotheism, so to speak, and their avodah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how they served HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Gemilas Chatzet, through all the other aspects of life. That's what they did. But there was some, another aspect to it. And I know this is going to sound strange because we're talking about Kiruv rabbis. They were the guys who were into, into the Balei Tshuva. They were completely insulated from the outside world. If you were able to join Avram Vinu's yeshiva, you had to first get in. That was one thing. That's the whole thing about 
about the tree of Avram Vinu, where you have to be in the shade of the tree. If the tree gave you shade, then Avram Vinu took you in. And then you were able to learn the yeshiva. But if you came in and you did something wrong, you were immediately kicked out. If you came in, you didn't leave until Avram Vinu died. That was the idea behind it. It wasn't when Yishmael did something wrong. Immediately, Sari Minu says to her husband, kick him out. Now, granted, those were three major things that Yishmael was doing. But it still meant that the Sviva of Avram Vinu's Yeshiva wouldn't allow a person who is doing sins to stay inside that area. When Sit with Avram's Midas Chesed, where we accept your sinners, okay, come in, we'll, you'll do teshuva and you'll stay. Misplaced Chesed is not Avram Midas Chesed. It's Chesed to the people who need it the right time. Now, Bobby, he invited in guests and he let them eat. That wasn't a question, but that's what I meant by the measures with the tree. In order to sit underneath Avram Midas tree, the tree had to accept you. What that means is that if they wanted to join Avram Midas group, that they had to be in a certain caliber. He wouldn't accept just anybody to be his evidence, to be his Talmidim. That wasn't just Talmidim. To come in, to be able to learn a little bit, and to go out, that he was able to do. But to do more than that, that you couldn't allow. That Avramina would not allow. And I know that sounds so strange. And I said in the beginning, I know that sounds strange. It sounds like the exact opposite of what you think of Avramina, but it's not. This is the true chassad that he was there. When the Talmudim left, whenever Talmudim left, Avramina or Yitzchak Vino or Yaakov in his yeshiva, we never hear from them again. They never pop up again. It's not like all of a sudden we say, oh, there are these monotheists that live in this certain area. That's it. They're gone. Because the whole Torah of the Avos was when you're in a sheltered environment, you will thrive. When you stay inside the walls of our base measures, you will do great. But when you leave, you've got a major, major issue. Shame, however, lived in a world that was completely different. Where everything and everyone was messed up and corrupt. That's the world of Dor HaMabel, with the people around him who were completely corrupt. And he was still able to save himself. Granted, on the basis of Noah's sick, because he was only a hundred at the time, but he still was able to save himself and not sin along with the people of his generation. Aver lived during the times of Dor HaFlaga. Granted, Shem was alive as well during that time. But the Dor HaFlaga, during the times of Migdal Bubble, the Tower of Bubble and everything, and he was able to hold himself back from their evil. He was able to keep himself from being around. Meaning, even though he was surrounded by the evil people around him, Shem and Aver were able to, be, to live and survive in such a world says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky and that's the line behind it now parenthetically I would have said the opposite just that stop I would have said the exact opposite I would have said that Shame and Aver lived sheltered from everybody else while Avram Vino invited every, every party in I would have said that I, I, but that's not how Rabbi Yaakov learns it up Rabbi Yaakov says that Avram Vino was the one who kicked other people out who didn't belong, didn't belong there and Shame and Aver were out in the world helping people that were out there in the world and that's where they were these are the people that Yaakov Vino had to go to in order to learn what to do when he was going to be surrounded by a Russia like Lava. The, the danger was not that he would hate his son-in-law and that he would despise him and cause him to do evil things. The danger was more in the fact that he might be friendly with him. He might be his friend. He might act like somebody who loves him. And Yaakov's going to learn from his ways and become an evil person just like him. Yaakov you know, has never been around these people before. Yaakov has lived in a sheltered tent of Yitzchak Avinu. Granted there was Esau. Granted there was Esau. But Esau wouldn't be, I would assume, was not around the same tent as Yaakov. I would assume that he was somewhere else. If he was the Yosef Aholim and Esau was the Yodetzai Yisadeh, I would assume that they weren't together that very often. I would assume also that he wasn't the greatest Chavrus in the world, Esau. That he wasn't around at the same time. And that's that. The whole city was into tricking and lying. We learned that from the Medrash that when Leah was chosen instead of Rachel, that the people went outside the house and started singing, Olay, Olay, Olay. 
Olay. I don't know what song they actually sang, but it's Olay as in Leah. So that they, he would realize that they were talking about Leah. The whole city was into trickery and corruption. That's the whole entire city. How was Yaakov you know, going to live with these people and be unaffected? For this, you need the Torah of Shane to Abram. For this, he understood that his parents wanted him to go get married. But not at the expense of everything that he had learned for the last 63 years. If he goes after Shana Samach Gimel, and, and after going to Yeshiva for 63 years, and he loses everything by going to Wavan for a little bit, you immediately go from a Yeshiva, like the mere Yeshiva, and you go straight to Wall Street, and you lose everything in a couple hours. Well, it's not worth it. That, of course, his parents wouldn't, well, wouldn't agree with. So he felt he had to go to Yeshiva Shem for 14 years. That was accomplishing exactly what his parents wanted. Muscle. Not like what we said before. To a father who goes up to his son, and he tells him, I want you to go pick out for me a lulav and esrog. And the son goes to the base matters and learns the halakos of lulavim and esrogim. So that when he goes to the shuk, he'll pick out a proper lulav and a proper esrog for his father. That makes sense because that's part of the mitzvah, keep it off the aim. And that's what Yaakovina was doing by going to Yeshiva Shem for 14 years. This also explains this for Yaakov, why he taught Yosef Atzadik. All of these learnings, Rashi tells us in Perak Lamed Gimel, Pasuk Zion, we are, sorry, Perak Lamed Zion, Pasuk Gimel, he told Yosef Atzadik the learning that he had learned in Yeshiva Shem Be'ever, and he didn't tell it to the other Shvatim. Why wouldn't he tell it to the other Shvatim? Why was he leaving them out to make them jealous, thinking that he was telling Yosef Atzadik more than he was telling all of them? The answer is, we've got an unbelievable answer. Shot is, is that he knew through Nebuah that he would be on his own in a very strange land and would need to learn how to deal with that. How to remain a Jew even in a corrupt, upsetting land. Yosef Atatik, there was through Nebuah he knew that Yosef Atatik was going to be caught. And thus, he taught him specifically, not his brothers, because his brothers, the Shvatim, came down as a group. His brothers came down as a massive group to Mitzvah. They never came down individually, and therefore, the Torah of the Avos was good enough for them. They were able to have the Torah of the Avos. They were able to make a Yeshiva Mitzvah that dealt with the Avos themselves. But he, he himself, he had to learn Yeshiva Shem to Eber, meaning Yosef Atatik had to have the Yeshiva Shem to Eber to be able to survive in Mitzrayim. I thought, to add on to Rabbi Yaakov a little bit, one of the Shvatim was left in Mitzrayim on his own. Shimon. Shimon was taken in jail by Yosef as collateral that they would come back and bring back Binyamin. Remember, he took Shimon, he threw them all in jail for three days, took them all out, and then said, one of you is going to remain here, and the rest of you is going to get back out. He took Shimon and threw him into jail. Shimon remained in jail in Mitzrayim. Now, granted, he took him out, and he served him like royalty. Right? That was something that he did. As soon as Shimon was, as soon as the Shvatim left, he picked up Shimon, and he put him, treated him like royalty. Shimon hung out with the Mitzrayim all day, and he wasn't prepared for it, because he never learned in Yeshiva's Shemba Eber. Maybe that's why Shimon's kids couldn't handle it as well when they went to the Midbar. That as soon as they saw other things out there because they never learned what it was like in Yeshiva Shem Be'er they only learned the Torah of the Avos they were fine Shimon was fine when he was insulated but as soon as he got away from the insulation that's when all of a sudden things went wrong maybe that's why Shimon's Chilak in Eretz Yisrael is interspersed within Yehuda he doesn't have his own Chilak he's only within the cities of Yehuda because Shimon on his own is messed up because of what happened in Mitzrayim Shimon together with Yehuda can survive. As long as he's with somebody, he'll be able to survive. That's the concept of what it could possibly be. And maybe he didn't learn those proper methods. Maybe that's why it happened to his kids later on. What were you going to say to me? No, I was just thinking it's a little bit... Not really, it's a little bit funny that... Um, 
that he, that he suffered the rule that that Yosef was going to be alone in time and therefore he couldn't he, he taught him specifically but it was because he taught him specifically that that affected his being alone in time why couldn't you talk about Yosef I wouldn't I wouldn't say, I thought you were going to ask me a different question if he taught him in time why would he think that he died yeah that's the obvious that would, that would be the obvious question solid question that's a solid question I thought that's what you were going to ask I don't even understand what your question is I, I, I would have said I would have said Benjamin's question that, that question already your question you have to say that he saw something was going to happen he wasn't sure it seems weird what he said as soon as he saw a, a, the shirt that was filled with blood to roof to off your safe Yaakov must have known something but he wasn't sure he didn't know what, what exactly was going on Chazal say that to off your safe he had a nevuah that Asha's Potiphar was, was doing something to Yosef and that he knew that Yosef might fail there was something going on there so I, that I can't answer he had a nevuah he knew Yosef would need it he didn't know what Yosef needed it for it's a solid question your question I'm not so sure what you're asking that, that I'm not so it's sure it's funny because it Yaakov would not have spent that time specifically with Yosef to teach him one-on-one then he wouldn't have been sold down to Mitzrayim that's what you're trying to say yeah. not completely because there are other things that affected that's, that, that's what I would have answered back I would have said but there were other issues right Yosef Tzadik had still spoken Diva Raw right it's spoken Diva Sam Raw told over that they were making fun of the Bnei Shafel still Abram Inachai still with the Arayats right there still would have been there but you're, granted that was one of the issues the dreams still would have happened I mean they still would have been jealous of the dreams so it wouldn't have been the only aspect of something down in Mitzrayim but that's what I would say for your question it's a solid question as soon as I saw it what will we say he had an avoid that he should be teaching this to Yosef he didn't know why he didn't know he was going to be alone by himself for how many years he felt that this is something he should teach Yosef or that's why he felt that he was separate from his brother so he knew there was something that will Something he, something extra. Extra. Because he knew there was something. And that's that. Okay, and that's that. Rachel Imenu approaches Yaakov Avinu after being barren for a few years. What an unbelievable line. Okay, he marries, obviously we know, he marries Leah, he marries Rachel. Leah ends up giving birth to four kids. Batera Rachel, Kilo Yodel Yaakov, is in Tarek Lamed She saw that she hadn't given birth. That's kind of Rachel Bachos, she had jealousy against her sister. Matomino Yaakov. Excuse me, she said to Yaakov, Havali Vanim, give me children, beam ayin, and if you don't, Mason, okay, I'm gonna die. I'm going to die. But you thought Yaakov Rachel, Yaakov got angry at Rachel. But you know what am I instead of God? As your money, you make pre-bottom that refrain from you to have children. But Tomer, he now must be Billa Boala. And all of a sudden, Rachel said, All right, take my maidservant, Billa. Take my maidservant, Billa. She'll give birth on my knees. I'll build myself up from her. What in the world just happened there? What just happened? Rachel was yelling at Yaakov, you know? How could you refrain me from having kids? Yaakov says, What? You really think it was me? And Rachel's like, All right, take Billa. <laughs> Where was the conversation going with that one? Did anybody see Billa being thrown in there at all? What was happening? The Yaakovina didn't ask for such a thing. It's a strange thing altogether to say, take my ship, especially if Billa was her sister. I mean, we're talking about very, very strange things altogether. What, what does this mean? Where does it go? So I have a very, very interesting Nashi law, the Ishpitzer. Okay, very interesting Nashi law. He says the following. When the Avos show that they're upset about something, when they show that they're upset about something, that in and of itself is able to bring Yeshua a salvation to the world by getting upset by getting angry a salvation can happen a Yeshua can happen from that anger now how so? when a person recognizes what they're missing what the issue is what the problem is what they're missing what he's lacking to allow this bad thing to happen to him he can then work on it he realizes what he has to work on and right then he'll be able to root it out of him and he'll be able to fix himself up completely. 
That's what happens when the Avos get mad. The Avos see that there's something wrong with the person. They point that out and they say, there's a Chisaron here. And the Chisaron's not in me, it's in you. And when they see that, they realize, you're right, there's something there. What happens is the following. Yaakovino realized he had done nothing wrong. When Rukhlamino goes up to Yaakovino and says, I don't think I've done anything wrong here. What's the problem? I don't think I have anything. Yaakovino looked at her, did, did introspection. He looked into himself and he said, is there something that I'm missing? Is there something that I did wrong? Realized there was nothing and got angry at her and said, you didn't do true introspection. It wasn't me. It was you. There's something wrong on your end. There's a concern on your part. So you, Rukhl, what do you need to fix up? What's the issue that you need to fix up? And then all of a sudden she realized, what, am I, what do I have a problem on? But to Kane Rukhl Ba'akosa. She had a jealousy of her sister. Well, how do you get over on jealousy? What do you do to get over on jealousy? You have to break that jealousy. If the jealousy is over having another wife, she said, ah, you're right. There was something that I had deep down inside me, although she didn't even realize it. She was jealous of Leah. And she said, the only way for me to break my jealousy is by putting in another woman in my place and willingly giving up my place by Yaakov Avinu. Willingly taking my night and giving it over to another woman. So she said, I'm willing to do that. Obviously, it doesn't happen nowadays. We don't have these halachos. But in the time where you were able to marry more than one woman, that's what yet Rukhulim Inu said. She said, my issue is kinna. My issue is jealousy. And because my issue is jealousy, the only way for me to break it is for me to give another wife instead. And that's what she did. That caused the Yeshua. By an Av getting angry, that causes the person to realize introspection that there's something wrong with me. Never underestimate anything that the Avos Mimos have done in the Chumash itself. Never underestimate what they were saying and how they were doing it, even though it seems so strange, got so angry at Rachel, what's he getting angry for? This is a shot to be able to figure it all out. Sometimes, it's hard to figure out exactly what Hashem wants from us at any given time. How would Yaakov know when it was time to leave Lava? He'd been there for 20 years, 14 years working, 7 years for Rachel, which ended up being for Leah, another 7 years to work for Rachel, right? And after that, another 6 years making money on his own. How would he know when it was time to leave? So the Pusik says an unbelievable thing. At the very, very beginning of the, the next Pusik, he says, I'll go through everything. In Lamed Aleph, by Yishma Zedibre B'nei Lavam Lamor, he heard the words of the sons of Lavam saying, Wakach Yaakov is Kolesher Lavinu. Yaakov took everything that belonged to our father, may Asher Lavinu also is Kolesher That which belonged to our father, he made all of this honor, everything came from there. Yaakov always paid attention to conversations. And it's similar to what the Baal Shem Tov said. The Baal Shem Tov once had a conversation with the Toldos Yaakov, Yaakov Yosef. Told Yaakov Yosef. Told Yaakov Yosef originally was a misnagged against the Baal Shem Tov completely. But he ended up learning with the Baal Shem Tov and decided to become his disciple, his big Talmud. All of the writings that we have of the Baal Shem Tov are based on the Toldos Yaakov Yosef. Everything we have comes from the Toldos Yaakov Yosef. He was the famous Talmud of the Baal Shem Tov. Toldos Yaakov Yosef, when he was learning with him, was one time the Baal Shem Tov said to him, everything that anyone tells you has the ability to make something happen for you. It has the ability to do something good. So anything, whatever anybody tells you, this is what happens. So Tozyakov Yosef said, that, that can't be. Guy came into the office where both the Baal Shantos and Tozyakov Yosef were learning. He said, Rebbe, is there anything I can fix today? He was like a handyman. Is there anything I can fix today? The Baal Shantos said, no, thank you. I think everything's okay. So he said to him, Rebbe, there's always something to fix. So the Baal Shantos said, see? That was a bit of muster that a Kaddish Baruch was sending me from Shemayim. He's telling me that there's always something to fix. Tolkien's Yaakov was like, ah, no way. No way. The guy was just saying, do you need anything to fix? That's not, it has nothing to do with anything. There's nothing you can learn from it. So he said, the Baal Shemta says, you can believe it. 
You just don't want to. That was the line that he said over to this guy. So the Tolus Yaakov Yosef ended up leaving. He went out and he saw that there was some, I don't know if it was a Jew, non-Jew, had a whole wagon overturned with these huge bales of hay. And he's picking them up, these huge bales of hay, and throwing them onto the wagon. They had all spilled out. So he's taking them over there. So he looks over to him and he says to him, you know, and like, I'm so sorry. I hope everything goes okay. He's like, hey, can you help me? Just help me. If you do it with me, we'll be able to do it together. Tulsi Yaakov is a small guy. Looks over at these bales of hay and he's like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. So the guy says, yes, you can. You just don't want to. Exact same word as Valchanto. So Tulsi Yaakov is turned around and he's like, all right, fine. <laughs> that. There's always something going from your stomp conversations with normal human beings. If you pay attention, there's signs within everything that everyone says to you. Every single thing, there's something there. So the Baal Shem Tov taught the different people. The Ishbitzer is still, Chatzir Shayid, the Mashi Law, he learned from that line of the Baal Shem Tov and he said, that's the Pshat. When he heard Lovin's children saying, he took everything that belonged to our father, he sat there and he said, what do you mean he took everything that belonged to our father? What, Lovin didn't have any sheep left? Lovin, he gave a whole flock of the sheep. Most of the healthy sheep went over to Lovin. He took a small little flock and he made a huge thing out of his own. What does that mean? He took everything from Lovin. The old brother, you guys were only born because Yaakov came to his house. Lovin was him to that. Lovin said, God blessed me because of you, says Rashi. I had kids because of you. I had sons because of you. Rashi says that. The, the children should have known this. All of a sudden they're going so crazy. Yaakov took everything from us. We have nothing left. What does that mean, says Yaakov? There's a hidden message here. You know what the hidden message is? There's no Kedusha left in Lovin. All the Kedusha that there possibly could be left in Lovin that I'm taking away from him, all the Kedusha is gone. I've got it already. So nothing's left. So all that's left is an evil shell, which is Lovin. That's all that's left. There's nothing good left. So if I stay here, that evil person, who has no bracha within him, no good things left within him, might kill me. She said, I can't stay here anymore. I've got to get out. So she left. That's exactly what he did. He got up and he left. He knew at that point. That's when the message of HaKadosh Baruch Hu came and that's the idea behind it. When he told his wife, they all agreed. All the osher, all the riches that we can get from our father, we already took from him. Meaning, referring to all the Kedusha that we could possibly get from him. It's all gone. So the Kedusha is gone. When there's no Kedusha, there's nothing left to go for. So let's get out of here and that's that. That's that. What's that? Not, um, not so much with Yagav, you know, but with the story of the Tolos Yagav Yosef. It's not... Um, I, I don't know. Uh, that I don't know. I don't know how Lotanachshu works exactly. I've seen the Kitshokan Aruch and a little bit of the Shach on Lotanachshu, but not anything more about that. What Nikush is exactly? Uh, Nikush would be defined as if a deer crosses my path, I'll go to my left. Right? Maybe it's that you're not making decisions based on that. No, you're getting signs, but you're not making decisions based on it. Somebody tells you something, says, now I'm going to go to the left. Maybe that's not what you do. And we see that there's nichos in the Torah that's mutter. Yonasan said, right, if they come up to us, we see that there's nichos that's mutter. So the question is, is this nichos that's us or nichos that's mutter? We have to figure out what it is. I'm sorry? It is. There's a tosus and tinus. Daftalit, I think. Tosus and tinus goes to it. I don't know which is mutter. I'm not that halacha guy unfortunately. So I, I don't know the difference between it, but it seems that it's not going to be something like that. Okay, I have one more Kedushas lady over here. I, you know, i got to tell you, this Kedushas lady, I'm so proud of you. I, it's, just, it's an awesome one. When Yaakov even wants to marry Rachel, right, yeah, Lovan says the famous line, it's better for me to give her to you than to give her to somebody else. It's an unbelievable line. I'd rather give her to you than anybody else. The question that Kedushas lady asks is, why would Lovan say that? Lovan hated 
Kadosh people. You would hate somebody like Yaakov, you know. Well, I'd rather marry her off to somebody like you, somebody who's a holy and good person, than somebody else who's a bad person. What do you mean? Of course Lavan wants her to marry a bad person. Why would Lavan want her to marry somebody who's good? How could he have said such a thing? Says the Kedusha lady. Think. Rachel Amir was such a Kadosh person. That means that whoever she would marry, she would turn into a Kadosh person. Yaakov was such a Kadosh person. Whoever he would marry, he would turn into a Kadosh person. So if Yaakov would marry a Russia, and Rachel would marry a Russia, a Russia, that would mean that instead of two Kadosh people in the world, there will be four Kadosh people in the world. So there will be way too much Kedusha in the world. So I'd rather give her to you, so there's only two Kadosh people in the world, rather than give her to somebody else, so that there's four Kadosh people in the world. That's what the Psalms over says. That was a great line from the Psalms over. It's found, but it's just a little bit on the side. Okay, Kedusha's lady. Okay, by none of the other Avos does it say the line as a judge in the very beginning of the Parsha, Hinei Hashem Nitzav Alav. God is standing over him. That's an unbelievable line. By none of the other Avos do they have such a vision of watching the Malachim go up and down where he's sitting in the Makkum of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is managed together with him in everything he does. There's no one like Yaakov, you know. Says the Kedusha's lady, maybe this is due to the character trait of Yaakov, you know, how great he was. Yaakov was the greatest, the Bechir Shev Avos, the chosen one of the others, the purification of all the others. Well, Avram Avinu had Yishmael, Yitzchak Avinu had a little bit of Esau, Yaakov Avinu had no psolus, no sig, upagam in his children. He had 12 children that were all tzaddikim. Every single one of them was a tzaddik. And thus, he was the object known as Tiferes. I don't like going to Spheros. I think all the people that go into Spheros that don't, I don't know what they're talking about, are pieces of garbage. So I don't like doing this sort of stuff, okay? I don't know what it really means by Chesed, Gevura, and Spheros. I've been through Tanya, but like superficially, it's not, we can't really understand what it is. I'm going to take the Kedushas Lady's line on this, and I'm not going to go into the other ones. I'm just going to say what he says over here, but it's an unbelievable idea. What is Tetharis? Chesed, we understand. Gevura, we sort of understand. Nidatha Din doing exactly what God tells you to do. What is Tetharis? The ability to see the beauty of the world and recognize how it all connects back to Akadosh Baruch It's like looking at a rainbow, and when you see the rainbow, you say, that is the Kisya Kabbalah. That is the beauty of the Kisya Kabbalah. That's what it is. Tetharis is finding the beauty in the world and knowing that everything, literally everything, stems back to Akadosh Baruch Everything Yaakovinu ate, everything Yaakovinu heard, everything Yaakovinu did, he used to find out how that connects back to a Kaddish Baruch He was able to say, if he ate a delicious apple, he'd make a brach on it, eat the apple, and he'd say, who in the world could put the taste in this apple? It had to be a Kaddish Baruch There's nobody else that could do such a thing. He was able to find stuff like that. Maybe that's what he was seeing on this ladder. How everything in this world is involved with a Kaddish Baruch That the Malachim are going up and down, that there's Malachim everywhere. And that level is called something that he calls Isgalia. It is revealed to us. It's out there in the world, finding God everywhere in the world. Or God is no longer hidden. God God is in that coke. Yeah, I think we knew that to begin with. But God is within every single thing that you have here. And every time you look at something, you can see the beauty of HaKadosh Baruch Maybe that's what it means when we're told by different sparm that Yaakov you know, found his way to the 50th level of learning, the Sharn Nun, that no other person in this world was able to get to, that Moshe Rabbeinu was only able to get to Memtes. He was able to get to the Sharn Nun. That, that, what does that mean? Because he understood how everything worked in this world, good or bad, and how it all stemmed from HaKadosh Baruch He was able to know that bad turned into good. He was able to see everything as good. And maybe that's why when he told Paro, first time he met him, Paro asked him, what are you doing here? And he said, all my years have been ma'at the rain, few and evil. 
He wasn't answering for himself. That's not what he felt about himself. How could anybody say that? And just think about that for a second. You're meeting someone for the very first time. He says, sheesh, you look really old. What's going on? He's just like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a hard life. I've only lived 130, only 130 years. But it's been my ox over right. What do you, how, do you, how do you say such a thing? Especially Yaakov Avinu. How could you say so? Because he wasn't saying it for himself. He's saying, in your eyes, Paro, my life has been my ox That's why you see me as an old person. As a person who looks like he's been through a lot. I know, however, that everything was for the best. I know that a Baruch who was behind everything. And he understood behind it that there was a purpose behind it all. Now, understand another thing later. How could Yaakov Avinu have seemingly fallen for Rachel Emenu's beauty. He sees Rachel, he's smitten, like twitterpated, like all of a sudden, from what? I mean, where in the world did that come from? And Yaakov Avinu, who is such a kadosh, who's yet, he's 77 years old. We're not talking about anything. He's smitten by the beauty of a possible five-year-old. That's what that, how, how does that work? I mean, let's say she was 12. Right? There's my focus, Panoglaza and the Medrash Rabbah. Regardless, I mean, what does that mean? What does that mean? How do you get smitten by beauty? That's not what you look for in a wife. You don't know anything about her. She's just with sheep. And that's it. He's like, oh, that's the wife for me. Well, what does that mean? It's not a movie where all of a sudden you see somebody who's beautiful and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's it, I'm in love, and that's it, that's that. I'm sorry? There's no question. But there's no question that the Torah is trying to teach us a lesson as well. And the Torah is not trying to teach us a lesson that Yaakovina was a human being. If the Torah is telling us that Yaakovina was, there was something about her beauty that got to him, there's got to be something about her beauty that got to him. And there's something for us, for us to be able to help us in our avoda. What is this? But that was his kedusha. Yaakovina was able to find the beauty in everything. And when he saw the beauty, he was able to find a Kurdish Baruch within that thing. And when he saw the beauty of Rachel he saw beyond the physical beauty and realized that the beauty, the outer beauty that Rachel had represented an inner beauty which was so beautiful. It meant that Mamish the Shekhinah rested upon Rachel That's what he saw within her. He was able to see such a beautiful spark of Kedusha of what he was able to, he was able to raise it to the highest point that he possibly could. That's what he meant by him kissing Rachel. Notice that it says by Yishak Yaakov Le Rachel. It doesn't say by Yishak Yaakov Rachel. That Yaakov kissed Rachel. And he kissed Rachel. It doesn't. It says the word Le Rachel. And we pointed out in previous years the different different opinions of what it means by Le Rachel. Now we have another answer. According to Kedusha's label, we can say by Yishak Yaakov Le Rachel that he caused a Nishika. Nishika is the line that a Kedush Baruch uses when somebody like a big tzaddik dies. Nishika is a connection to a Kedush Baruch with the Vekas like no other. He was able to connect to a Kurdish Baruch through Rachel. That's why Yishak Yaakov with Rachel. That the Nishika that he had, there was a connection from or through the powers that Rachel, that Rachel had. And he was able to do it by seeing Rachel and Menu. That's what he was able to do. And that's what that Lamed was trying to say. Yosef HaTzadik did the exact same thing. He saw it in Zleika. He saw it in Eshes Potiphar. He saw there was something there, a Kedusha, that was d- d- a- a- an unbelievable amount of Kedusha. I mean, she did raise an orphan. She raised Osnas. There was some Kedusha behind her. And that's what it meant that he went in Lassos Malachto, literally, says Rashi, according to one opinion, he went in literally to sleep with her. He expected to go in to sleep with her. Now, has to show him to say that Yosef Atzadik Mamish went in to go sleep with her, but that's not it. Yosef Atzadik saw that Zoika had a beauty to her, unlike the Marshan Sanhedrin in the second parak. But he saw that there was 
some type of beauty to Zlaika. And he saw that it wasn't just an outer beauty, it was an inner beauty. He tried using his father's mida of Tiferes and using it to be able to raise the Kiddusha of Eishas Potiphar. To be able to grab that Kiddusha out of Eishas Potiphar the same way that Yaakov kissed Rachel, he was going to bring out that Kiddusha from Zlaika. I don't know if it meant to literally by sleeping with her, whatever it was, he was able to find the Kiddusha through Tiferes to do that. But there's a problem. To follow in your father's footsteps is one thing. If your Mida, however, is something entirely different, Yosef's Mida was supposed to be Yisod, which I don't fully understand, but it wasn't Ferris. If his Mida was something different, you're not going to do so well with that Mida. So he went in and he almost failed the test. Came very close and literally almost failed the test. However, when you use a Mida of one of the Avos, that Av comes and helps you be able to succeed. So what happened when Yosef tried Sorry. using the Mida of Tiferes with Eshes Potiphar? Yaakov Avinu himself, whose Mida was Tiferes, came down in order to help him, in order to help him, and that's what it meant by the appearance of Yaakov Avinu came in from the image of Yaakov Avinu came in front of him in order to help him pass that test. That's the concept behind it. So to recap on that idea over there, well, let's recap from the beginning. There's a difference in the yeshivas of Shem Be'ever and the Avos. A major difference between those yeshivas. And Yaakov needed the yeshiva Shem Be'ever in order to not be isolated, in order to work out. There's a Yeshua that is caused by an Av's anger. When an Av gets angry, whenever anything happens with the Avos, there's a Yeshua that can happen. There was a sign given to Yaakov from the B'nai Lavan. There was an actual sign given to Yaakov that the B'nai Lavan ended up giving him by telling that he should leave that's only he should leave and Yaakov is the Mida Tiferes and what that means is his Mida was to find the beauty and things and that's what he did his entire life Yosef tried copying it he almost failed but when you do a Mida like Tiferes if you're able to accomplish it completely then the Av comes and tries to help you and that's what I meant by the image of Yaakov appears in front of Yosef we'll stop that guys have a good job